Hello and welcome. You are listening to Navigating the Metaverse, where we interview trailblazers in the NFT and metaverse space who share their insider advice for how to do business in the Web 3.0 era. Your hosts are Tommaso DiBartolo and Kathy Hackle. And this series is brought to you by Upland and Decrypt Media, your go-to media source for demystifying Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the decentralized web. By the way, did you know that you can buy, sell, and trade virtual land inside of Upland, the metaverse that is mapped to the real world? People love it because Upland is so much more than a game. Uplanders earn real money by running so-called meta-ventures where they sell virtual goods, aka NFTs, to others. Even better, a super engaged and helpful community helps newcomers to make first steps in this dynamic and fast-growing metaverse a lot of fun. You can download Upland on iOS or Android or enter it on the web by using the referral link in the show notes. Grab your special sign-up bonus of 6,000 UpX today and start rebuilding the world with others. With that being said, enjoy today's episode. And we are live uh, again with another episode of uh, the Metaverse Economy with a tremendous lineup. Miles, Jason, and Luca, thank you so much for being here today. Say hi because we are also on camera. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. I'm humbled that, that you took the time. Thank you so much for allowing us to yeah, be part of this and share some guidance to Web3.0 in business. And I would like also to say to our listeners, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, depending on where you are tuning in from. But I would like to double-click right away into the knowledge and the lessons learned of our lineup here that we have of guests. And would like to introduce, starting with, Miles. Miles Anthony is the founder of Decentral Games, a next-generation entertainment and play-to-earn DAO, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, at the intersection of the metaverse and NFT. The company is backed by key investors, such as a digital currency group whose principal subsidiary, Grayscale, is one of the world's biggest Bitcoin and cryptocurrency Fund. And today, Miles will be sharing insight and experiences with Decentral Games and how they develop 3D metaverse games on blockchain for both consumer and business markets. What a pleasure to have you here today, Miles. Thanks for having me, Tommaso. Yeah, so um, we essentially uh, um, you know, build all types of games in the metaverse. Bear, we are bear, with me, bear, with me a, bear with me a second, Miles. Let me introduce the uh, Jason real quick and then we move on into some okay. questions. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, my friend. Um, Jason Chapman, co-founder and managing partner of Convey Ventures, a venture fund investing in early stage companies in the video gaming industry. They recently invested in investments include things like X-Infinity, uh, uh, Novats, and Sky Mavis. And today, Jason will share with us his expertise and experiences in investing in platforms and technology at the frontier of gaming, particularly with the focus on NFT and metaverse space. Jason, so great to have you. Thanks for having me. And last but not least, uh, Luca Passerotti. I called it with an American accent. I could say also Luca Passerotti is an international business development at the Cagliari Calcio, which is in Sardinia, the, 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 the pride of whole region of Sardinia. And one of the most popular teams in Italy, okay? The club has partners with, uh, partnered with uh, Soria, the digital football champion, 
blockchain. And in this episode, we are lucky and glad that Luca can share with us the expertise and the perspectives of NFTs and metaverse. Luca, it's so great to have you today. Thank you for having me, Tomato. Miles, I apologize that I interrupted you, but I'm really no curious here and kick off things actually uh, exactly with uh, play to earn mechanics in uh, your uh, game, right? You said that uh, in, in backstage, right, that you are solving emptiness by doing so, right? Do you mind double clicking on that and sharing with us, unpacking what you mean with that and how you have implemented the mechanics of play to um, earn? Yeah, so I think um, you know there's a, there's a, a few different metaverse platforms or open metaverse platforms that have kind of come to existence over the last uh, few years, and you know they're gaining a lot of of hype in in you know the news, and um, we felt that it would be valuable to populate those um, that 3D virtual space, and so we wanted to incentivize people to just you know hang out and, and play games. We found that poker was the most popular game that we built. We built several other games, uh, some casino style, like including blackjack, roulette, slots, backgammon, and then poker. We found that poker was, you know, the most popular, had the best product market fit. And so we wanted to add play to earn economics to it. You know, we were highly inspired by, you know, Axie Infinity and the amazing growth that they were able to achieve over the last year. And so, um, yeah, we rolled out this play to earn poker game called Ice Poker. Uh, launched it three months ago, and the interest in it has been um, off the charts. Um, there's a really high demand for our NFTs. We, we've done a few different drops uh, in order to raise some some funds for the Dow Treasury, and um, the demand has been so great that the, the floor price is, is well above you know what we were dropping it um, for originally. And so right now we're just we're just focused on you know expanding. Um, the user base and you know any any typical time of day we have around 800 900 concurrent players playing ice poker in decentraland um for a total of about 5000 daily active players right now um so yeah we're we're really bullish on on just populating the metaverse and we feel that you know as these big brands you know all have metaverse plays and increasingly kind of be vocal about their desire to be in the metaverse we feel that having you know thousands of people online at any time of day is going to be extremely valuable, um, and it's it's something that we can't even really quantify at this at this point. But you know we we built a sustainable play to earn economy, um, and you know we're looking to just basically expand it and scale it at a, a sustainable rate. Jason, you have invested in a couple of uh, games um, over the last year. That's what you guys are focused on, right? From based on what Miles is describing, right? This uh, this need and this demand for play to earn games. How are you guys assessing the value of when play to earn really is real traction, or are we just riding a first wave of uh, early adopters? What are your thoughts on this, Jason? Oh man, so many ways I could take that question. Uh, yeah, so largely as a firm, we were very bullish on, I think, what blockchain uh, and I'd say kind of just generally crypto as a whole can do for uh, the gaming community. I'm also really bullish on, I think that the gaming community is going to pioneer use cases for this technology layer. Um, so as a whole, very bullish on it as, uh, and what it can do. I think the current form that is often been used, like in Play to Earn, 
Um, there's questions around sustainability, right? Um, and I think that where I'm most bullish is where we're kind of going. And I think that Axie Infinity has sort of pioneered is eventually it's going to be a profit sharing from the bottom line with your player base um, based on probably skill and also time spent. Um, I think that, you know, generally speaking, a lot of people are pursuing play to earn completely wrong. Uh, I think a lot of people are pursuing this with a massive token sale. They have this huge treasury that you pay players to just stick around forever. And then you don't innovate from there. That's a, that's a cash grab and a pyramid, right? That's not of interest to us as a fund because it's not sustainable. And so I tell you, like, we come from the gaming first approach versus the crypto or blockchain first approach. And the ones that are going to win and the, the entrepreneurs that we've backed have the same vision as us, which is you're primarily delivering a joy first experience. That's why people come to games is because they want to experience a level of joy. They want to experience that either through camaraderie, community or competition. Um, and that, that is what we're focused on as a firm. Um, we're not as interested in the, I think I've seen something around 400 player in studios in the last four months. And most of them are pursuing this uh, completely wrong. Um, and that's why I think you got to be careful if you're allocating capital in this space right now. It's very frothy, a lot of buzzwords used, and honestly, not a lot of long sustaining value being created. That's my hot take for you. Hopefully that gets some conversation going here with Luca and Miles as well. A lot, a lot to unpack here. Absolutely, Jason. Thank you so much. Luca, let's, let's have the perspective of, uh, of uh, an industry, a sports industry, right? That's what you are uh, representing, right? And, uh, and now since last year, we have seen a huge wave into at uh, the beginning of the year, NFTs into the third quarter. And then, uh, on a beautiful day, um, a, a very relevant uh, personality woke up and said, why don't I rename my, na my company to, <laughs> to Metaverse? And I, since then, the term Metaverse is flying through the roof. Question to you, how do you see fandom changing in sports with uh, NFTs and, uh, and, uh, and the Metaverse? What are your thoughts on, uh, on this here? Well, if you relate that to, to, to the sports sector itself, I think that you should probably change the question in a different way, which is how can we, let's say, educate the people to adopt like the metaverse, the fan tokens, the NFTs? Because to be honest, and especially in Italy, like fans are not kind of, football fans are not kind of the, the crypto guys, right? So... Uh, so that's that's the main thing, and I think that the way it all started, like metaverse and 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 fan tokens and NFTs in in sports, is because after the pandemic, like the sports organizations in general had, had a huge like uh, demand for new revenue streams, and the the players in terms of you know metaverse again NFTs and, and fan tokens were were able to 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 meet those those needs. So. Uh, right now, what I think is crucial to the development of this this uh, combined world, so sports and the metaverse, and to, to the development of fandom uh, within this world is that A, the players and the organizations are able to, to educate those fans, and B, the, the products that we offer those fans are useful, they provide benefits, and they are long-term. So not sure of if that answered your question, but this is how this is how I see it from from an external perspective. So from a sports guy rather than a, 
a metaverse guy. Let's call it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So education at the, is at the center of all this. And Miles, you mentioned uh, previously that since you uh, released uh, the product, you have been seeing great product market fit. Right. And you mentioned also the link of living within the central land. Right. So because uh, the intention here is to guide users. Right. And maybe, you know, for somebody who for the first time says, what, there is a company who lives within another company and they have this play to earn. Do you mind breaking it down and say, okay, so I'm a user X, Y, Z. I go on your landing page and then basically how do I live within another environment slash a metaverse and why? So the central one is 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 mainly just a you know open source three D virtual world. Um, it's not necessarily um, you know too much platform risk in our opinion because you know it's you know if any time you know the central end shuts down, um, we're able to kind of just use the technology ourselves. And so it's really the only our only option right now. There's a few other you know metaverses kind of open metaverses popping up, but none of them really satisfy our needs in terms of custom scripting. The ability to actually build engaging games, most of them are more so a just drag and drop like development um, experience. And so, yeah, we're that's you know that's our first iteration. We've we found that it's it's been very popular. Um, but you know, we are developing our own native mobile client. We feel that this year we're we're looking to uh, become the number one poker site in the world based on concurrent players. The top the top guys typically have seven thousand, eight thousand concurrents. Um, we feel that we can get there by, you know, Q2, Q3 um, at any, you know, given time of day. Obviously, if they have poker tournaments or competitions, they go much higher. But we're just trying to have the most player liquid poker destination on the Internet. Um, and, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, doable considering we're almost at about a thousand concurrence um, at any given time of day. Um, so we feel that mobile is going to play a huge role in that. Um But yeah, in, in terms of just hopping in, you know, you have to go to our, our site and then you kind of just load into this 3D, you know, virtual environment by um, just clicking a URL. I know they're building like a desktop client um, that they'll probably release in the next few months, which should help a lot for our concurrent or our return users. Um, just so it's, you know, a much easier experience than just using a simple browser. Um, and it'll, you know, the performance will be a lot better as well. And allow me, so, Miles, to double-click yeah. on exactly this path. Why is it not happening in your environment, but it's uh, it's linking to to um, to an open-source metaverse? Why is this then linking into the metaverse? Um, so we built into Centraline to leverage a few different things, um, you know, a few different features that we you know didn't want to develop ourselves, um, which okay. are kind of just like the SDK in okay. general. Like we didn't. We don't want to spend our time developing an SDK. We feel that spending our time developing engaging games, um, you know, tokenomics, um, you know, wearables, stuff like that, that are deeply integral to our game and our played our own economy was a better use of our time. And so, yeah, it was actually great to be able to just leverage that, um, those features on Decentraland. Like they provide chat, voice chat, text chat, um, support for um, emotes, you know, animations, wearables. Um, so that we can just design them and plop them on the avatars, avatar support. Um, and so it's actually really, really beneficial for us to plug into that because in our play to earn economy, um, the wearables actually are the backbone of the entire thing because essentially, you know, we pay people, our treasury pays people to uh, play poker 
every day. They have challenges that they have to complete, um, and then they have a leaderboard that they compete on. And it's actually a free play poker game. So you're actually not even wagering real money. You have to have a specific type of wearable that we have done various drops to distribute to the community. If you have one or receive delegation to one from someone else who owns one, um, then you're able to have access to this free play poker game. You get an allocation of daily chips. And then based on your performance that day on a leaderboard, you get ranked. Um, and, you know, obviously if you do better in terms of your net chips, then you get a higher multiplier. If you do worse, you get a lower multiplier. So it's EV positive for everyone involved if you're, if you're playing nice poker. Um, but you are incentivized to actually play real poker uh, because, you know, you have, you know, something on the line. Um, so, so, yeah. Very exciting. Congratulations, uh, um, Jason. Um, Miles is breaking down a couple of very, maybe Web3, you know, maybe a very Web3 uh, uh, new business model behaviors, right? We're talking here about an open metaverse, which now provides an SDK, and you can enrich this new environment, right, by bringing in your individual mechanics from an investor perspective, right? Um, you're looking at, uh, uh, at, at dozens of, of, of deals, right? What makes a, uh, an opportunity different, unique, and worthwhile pursuing? And maybe you might respond this also with an angle of almost sharing this as an advice for brands that look into the space and well, they say, hey, there is so much going on, what should you look at, right? So the both perspective, what are you guys looking at and what is relevant in general? Does that make sense, Just Yeah, I can, uh, I can comment on a few of those things. I also have to be careful to, to ensure that my advice is not construed as investment <laughs> advice. Um, but uh, I will do my best to straddle that uh, line with you guys here today. So I think like just to highlight really quickly on what Miles talked about, I think one of the strengths that Miles business has is it's hitting two things I love, right? And these are kind of things that I think are, are great, which is one, he's starting to explore real money wagering uh, innovation in games. And I think that, you know, real money, real money wagering uh, in a lot of different ways has not evolved and the gameplay has been pretty simplistic. And I think what is cool about Miles and the team that he is leading is that they have pioneered, I think, looking at new ways to innovate on a, an industry that honestly is, is ripe for disruption. So I love that. And I also love that something that I think I don't want to get lost in what he said is he's not tied to the success of the central land, right? And that is super, super important, uh, not to have all your eggs in one basket. Um, even though there have been really a plethora of gaming companies that have succeeded on up the back of another platform, you know, Zynga, you know, that's a great, great one to kind of point to with the history of Facebook. So anyways, just want to highlight those two things that I think are great themes that he is hitting on. Um, that a lot of people should probably take note of. When it comes to what am I looking for, uh, kind of going back to my earlier my earlier comment, like at the end of the day, it's a game first. Uh, you know, we're looking at games first versus you know a a perfect economy. You know, at the end of the day, the motivation of a person coming to a game is really really important. You know, if the motivation of the game is just to extract as much money from that that community as possible, you're not a player; you're a barbarian. You know, you're there to just pillage and, and run away with as much of a bag as you can. Those are valueless interactors, right? Uh, that has nothing of interest nor value to a community other than providing potentially a little bit of player liquidity for whales to interact with. So to me, you know, what do I look for? I look for in interesting gameplay. Uh, I look for things that are actually innovative. I look for things that are uh, engaging because, again, we're coming at from gamers first versus, I think, 
where can I extract the most money out of an ecosystem first and as fast as I can? And that's the difference between value investors and, and traders. Um, historically, there's been a lot of speculation in, in crypto and the blockchain community. Uh, I see this as someone who's very bullish and has personally pushed in quite a bit on this community as well. But I think there's just something to look for in this next evolution. Like I think we've gone from, there's a small group of people that's kind of leading and, and sort of, <laughs> I'd say it's a very small group of people that actually puts their money where their mouth is in this, in this industry. We're now going to the, the massive, right? And this has always been something we've talked about, which is gaming is going to be the onboarding mechanism for mass adoption of blockchain technology and just general use of crypto. And I think we're, we're proving that, right? In the sense that there's over 3 billion gamers in the world, less than, less than 10 million of them really play any game that involves blockchain. That's obviously pre, uh, pre us launching with potentially like Rainbow Six. So, you know, we're looking at less than 1% of gamers have interacted with, I would say, any, any economy that is leveraging the blockchain in games. So we have a long way to go here. Um, but I think that I just tell you, Tommaso, like generally getting back to your question, motivation for a player being there is key. Are they there to just extract value, which is a barbarians, I'll, I'll label those, those, or are they there to actually be part of a community? And I think that what often gets blended here is a lot of speculators in blockchain come together and they say they're a community that's trying to actually build value, something that's long lasting, not just pump their bag and get out. And I think that the, the thing that games have exposed themselves to is that nature, which historically you have not had that same sort of interaction, except you could cite like, wow, back in the day. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on here. There's some good, there's some bad. And I think that the discernment of investors now is to discern, hey, who's actually trying to innovate in this and build something that's more valuable for a player base, which I would say like Miles and his team are doing, versus many in the industry who are not. Um, and that that is something that we're constantly trying to sift through. And I'll tell you, the majority of people that we've talked to pursuing this, I think haven't thought as thoughtfully about this as I would hope to see for the gaming community. Okay, Metaverse Nation, great news. If you're enjoying this episode, you'll love our book. Written by our lovely co-hosts and industry leaders in the NFT and Metaverse space, we published an in-depth guide for how to succeed in the new Web 3.0 environment. How can you as a brand or a company capitalize on the momentum? How are others doing it? We demystify the industry and potential for you. The link to the book is listed in the show notes, or you can simply look for the Navigating the Metaverse book on Amazon or visit our website at themetaversebook.me. But let's get back to the show. Wow, that's a lot a lot of learnings right there. And a lot of advice also on how to look at what creates value, right? And how to perceive value. Lucas, speaking of, uh, of value and, uh, and value creation and, and, and sharing advice, right? Based on your learnings, and, and we are all aware that we are still early days, right? But we have uh, all uh, initial learnings here, right? What would you advise for other brands, right? On what to take a look at and what's value creation uh, for, from a perspective of a, of a brand or, 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 or yeah, of an industry player? So, yeah, first of all, I'm not an expert. I just give you my, my two cents here. Uh, but I, I try to explain what, I, what I've seen in my industry or the industry where I'm in. And, and my two advices, which may, may sound quite obvious, but still are, are the most important ones I can think of, are, is like do the homework about who you are partnering with and, and, and try to look at the long term. 
So in the sports industry, uh, I guess everywhere, but especially in the, in the sports industry, we are we're in the middle of a real blast. Like you, you see uh, new companies promising uh, exponential returns, like popping up every day almost, and 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 sometimes they they go away uh, as fast as they came came to the scene, right? So you you have already seen like big clubs and organizations signing huge deals and then terminating them in in less than one month. Um, so precisely because this, this topic like the metaverse, the, the NFTs and the fund tokens uh, is quite new uh, and, and precisely because uh, the sports industry is not an industry of experts, uh, what I always try to, to do is to double check on what we are doing and, and who's the guy that we are trying to, to work with. So. The, the second reflection is like uh, look at the long term. So I, I always start from the from the point that each deal, as uh, and especially like the technology deal, like metaverse and so on, has a positive or a negative impact on on, on the brand equity uh, and on the funds. So um, for these reasons, uh, even if sometimes we should we should try to know um, the partner better, and, and it's not easy. Um, we have to make sure that at least our values are aligned, um, and most importantly, we we should we should make sure that like the funds, so the final users, uh, are acquiring like an important and safe product, which which brings real benefits. Because in the end, like brand equity and and the funds, it's it's what's the most important to me in this whole conversation as as a sports guy, as a sports club guy. Yeah. So long-term perspective uh, and, and user-centric or fan-centric, basically, value proposition, and then in a real assessment uh, or due diligence almost, right, of with, with who you're, you're, uh, you're partnering with. That's, 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 in, that's intriguing. Thank you so much, Luca, for, for, for sharing this. Um, Miles, um, in, in the introduction, we mentioned that you not only are a play to earn, but also a play to earn linked to a DAO. Um, do you mind double clicking on the value proposition of the DAO, who is in charge of, and how is the importance of this into a context of being a new startup? Yeah, so in our case, uh, the DAO is actually really important in our play to earn economy because Essentially, what we've created, even though it's you know only around five thousand daily active participants uh, or players, um, is like a mechanism for for certain members of our community to basically create their own businesses um, due to the incentives that are involved. And so, we've actually built in delegation um, directly into our platform. We were inspired by kind of this guild structure that was popularized over the summer last year. Um, around Axie Infinity, basically pairs NFT owners who don't want to play uh, the game, you know, but they have the capital with the, the players who, you know, want to play the game who don't, you know, want to invest in NFTs. <clears throat> so it's a great mix. And so, so basically in our ecosystem, there's a lot of these folks that have basically started these mini guilds because um, we build in native delegation. We have a delegation dashboard. If, you, if you're an NFT owner, you can see all the assets that you own within our ecosystem directly natively on our site and you can delegate them to, to users for revenue shares and split the, the rewards with them. And so because, you know, folks have basically started these mini businesses within these mini guilds, 
in our community. Um, we actually have over 1,100 guilds um, for those 5,000 5, daily active players. So a lot of them are just one NFT or two NFTs, maybe three NFTs. And so we feel this, this approach is, obviously, you can get into that even, even further. We, we feel that a more decentralized guild approach is better. But my point is, the DAO is really important because, um, you know, the decisions that we, have, that we make as a platform um, in terms of economics directly affect, you know, a thousand, over a thousand of these mini businesses. And so we feel that um, having the DAO and, um, to decide things, like, for example, we just had a vote to change our, our revenue split from the NFT owner to the player from 70-30 or 30-70 to 40-60. Um, and so basically the reasoning behind this proposal, I actually submitted it on Monday, was we want to incentivize ownership. And so um, basically, you know, our ideal flow within our ecosystem is, you know, you start off as a free delegated player. You can play for free, you earn tokens. Basically, you just have to find someone with an NFT to delegate you their asset. Um, and then you have to, you know, we want to incentivize this, what we call upward mobility within the ecosystem. <clears throat> so moving up from free delegated player, mint your own NFT, become a player owner. We feel that that step is really important because basically when you give people within an ecosystem the ability to kind of move upward and have upward mobility, um, they're more willing to reinvest time and effort and capital back into the ecosystem. We feel this is really important. Um, kind of to touch on, touch on what uh, Jason said earlier, we don't want to attract people that are extracting value um, and selling the rewards immediately, market selling the rewards. And so um, to, to achieve that, you know, you need to show all participants within the ecosystem that if they were to reinvest their, the rewards that they've earned, then they're able to move up in status, um, financial status, social status, um, and, you know, potentially... Um, be able to earn additional rewards and have assets that are more valuable in the future. So kind of our total flow is, you know, free delegated player, player owner after minting their own. And then we, because we have that native delegation on our platform, um, you know, we, we want people to basically build mini guilds. So the final step is, you know, guild manager. And so we feel that the tools that we have right now enable this, as we've seen with our community already, and so right now we're just really focused on making each step of that journey very attractive from an incentive perspective. So not only as a user do I have the confidence that it's decentralized uh, by nature, not only do I have a play to earn a, um, a motivation and, and engagement mechanics, but I also have a DAO that allows me basically to have a voice and, 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 and to vote on things, right? So Jason, please, yeah, go ahead, yeah, Miles, please, yeah, 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 please double click on it if you want to, yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, I mean, just because it's directly affecting the livelihood of over a thousand different businesses, right. we feel that, you know, it's, it's fair to, you know, give people the ability to, to decide things democratically. Yeah, uh, obviously, if you have more tokens, um, yeah. I mean, this is, this, this, this is, this is so uh, homogeneous into the, it fits so well into the, 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 the needs of, 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 this, of, of the current uh, generation that have been asking for transparency, decentralized applications, open systems, right? Jason, from an investor perspective, um, the, the, the component of having a DAO, how fundamental is this? Nice to have must have what are your thoughts on this Jason what can you share with us 
Oh man. Well, I'm, I'm a personal member of, of several DAOs. Uh, I think that DAOs have a lot of potential. Uh, I also think that there have been some shortcomings uh, in the effectiveness of decision-making of DAOs. And I think that is something that is a common critique. That's not novel by me um, in, you know, getting to a decision quickly, right? Cause sometimes you do need to move fast. And you know, the, the concept of, what's the most effective form of governance? Well, a benevolent dictator, right? Because you can make decisions quickly and move fast. Um, obviously, if you look at history, that has not always worked out the best way. And obviously that would be probably more, more emulate what I think the traditional structure of businesses are. Uh, kind of hitting your, your point though, the generation we're in is everyone wants a voice. For better or for worse, right? Like everyone wants a voice in the opinions and things they care about. And, you know, as a person thinking through a games company where people spend, you know, the majority of their free time, people spend more time in gaming than any other, other, any other form of entertainment that exists on the planet. You know, if you're spending three to four hours of your day, yeah, I think you deserve uh, a say in how that economy and how that business goes forward, right? And so like Miles highlighted, moving from 3070 to 4060, yeah, like the community should have a say in that and they should have an impact in that. Mm. I think the thing that can dangerously happen here is we could overextend where, you know, there are certain things that, you know, truthfully, I've heard a lot of this from the game development perspective, like, Hey, the community should determine exactly how each game feature is deployed. I think I haven't seen that done well yet. You know, like where you're like, Hey, the whole community needs to vote on if it's going to be a red character or a blue character. Well, Hey, you know what? I'm not a designer. I'm going to probably default to, you know, game designer as opinion on this, this general meta of how this, this should, this should all be tied together. And I think that we can dangerously get ahead of ourselves thinking that the crowd always knows what is best. That is not always the case. And I think that that is something people have forgotten a little bit in the Dow surge. And I say that with all the optimism in the world, that there's a lot of great things here, but again, there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. And in short order too, I think if we're going to actually see successful DAOs controlling game economies and game experiences, Miles, anything to add to that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've had uh, our DAO active uh, for a little over a year, and I think it's it's most effective just kind of making decisions around economics, around you know um, structures that affect the participants. And I, I I do think that they have every right to have a say in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for just day to day development, it would just be totally inefficient to have to run every single decision by the token holders. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how our DAO is, is run. It's basically just economic, like kind of bigger picture economic decisions, like the split between NFT owner and delegate and, and player is something, you know, that they should have a say in. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I'd like to think of the DG team as, you know, a benevolent dictator on a certain things that, you know, we, you know, have shown that we can, you know, deliver like, developing the actual game. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with, with, with what Jason was saying. Gentlemen, I to, yeah, go ahead. To pick, yeah, go piggyback ahead. on that. Like, I think like, you know, to like get like really specific for the crowd, like, you know, no one would ever want me to vote on like what color chips, you know, miles should be placing at the table. Like, you know, like I have to trust miles. And so like, I think that what I'm seeing here, and this is where you're seeing the convergence of the gaming community. And I'd say, the blockchain community as a whole, which has a lot of different personas as well. Um, there is at times like an anarchy bent to some people in the blockchain community. And I think sometimes they think that DAOs is like the way to express 
their opinions. And sometimes that isn't what's best for the whole community. And I think that's where like the discernment and the trust of the leadership of whatever group mm-hmm. you're a part of. Like if you're, you know, like part of the central games, like you got to trust miles and the team that they are going to caretake for that and steward that community. And I think sometimes they just, it gets taken a little too far and it's almost a little unrealistic. And so DAOs won't solve all our problems, but I think what at the core of what it does well, it's a great community engagement tool. It's just, it's phenomenal to get feedback back to the team on things they're doing and making people kind of hook in for ownership into a community. That's, that's at, at the core of what I think DAOs do really well. Mm. Now, this is so intriguing. I mean, there is so much still. We're still at the beginning of the entire NFT slash metaverse uh, play to earn DAOs, right? But uh, this uh, definitely is uh, shifting so fast the the the, the benefits uh, or, or, or user-centric benefits, right, of the future, right? And putting really yeah. at the center of all this, uh, yeah, ownership, actually. Ownership of voice, ownership of owning, ownership of literally value-owning, right? And ownership of co-creation. This is a beautiful seeing that direction. I could talk for hours about that and pick your brain, but I want to be respectful of everybody's time. I, I usually wrap up things always with a final question and this is the moment also to get to that right Luca I would like to start with you and Miles and Jason please uh, start already thinking about that I would like you to envision the year 2030 2032 so in 10 years time the future and I want to pause a second it's called the rhetorical pause in the theater right take me to this uh, to this year Luca what is your industry the sports industry looking like, obviously with the link to, to the metaverse, please. Uh, that, that's a good one and a very hard one at the same time. Uh, honestly, I don't really have a background in this, so I, I will try to, to reply with, with what I can. Okay. Uh, the technology is here to stay. I mean, uh, metaverse, we are really, really, really at the beginning. Fun tokens are already a thing in the sports industry. NFTs are in the middle of both. I think that we will see them increasing their space in the sports industry like very, very quickly. I also think that, again, uh, the, the actors and the players with the hesitant value propositions will, will slowly fade away, especially when funds and, and the adoption curve of the metaverse normalizes. Um, again, like this is more a desire than a prediction. I would really love to see some sort of unique ecosystem uh, like where for example clubs organizations and brands start interacting themselves and not only a direct relationship like club or organization to fun because this is a relationship that is already existing even outside of the metaverse um, I would really love to see something like in the offline world but deeper right when when multiple brands and organizations start you know interacting. So I hope to see that, and that's that's my take. <laughs> okay, okay, that's intriguing. Uh, Miles, uh, take me to the year twenty thirty something. What's what's uh, what's your business? What's your company like? What's the positioning of it? What have you done by then? <clears throat> yeah, twenty twenty thirty. That's like uh, a century in crypto. <laughs> I feel like away. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really hard. I own. I you know we typically think a year or so in, in advance is, is like the long term or two years. But yeah, I think um, you know obviously I think the metaverse will become more and more engaging and immersive. Um, you know the addition of you know, VR technology, 
um, I think that's going to make a huge you know, difference in, in, in many people's kind of experience in the metaverse. Because I think right now having a browser-based experience is it's not the, the most immersive for a lot of people, uh, especially when you have to have a really high-powered you know, uh, graphics card and computer. Um, so that that will help a lot. But you know, from a pure like value creation standpoint, um, you know, I, I'm pretty biased. You know, building decentralized games, I feel that um, the application layer is is just going to accrue like ninety over ninety percent of, of the value in in this kind of new space. And you know, that's kind of the reason why we're building DG and and, and Ice Poker. We feel that um, if we're able to kind of grow and scale this this economy uh, where people are playing free poker, earning ice tokens and upgrading, you know, wearables to burn ice and building their own guilds natively on our platform. Uh, we feel that, you know, it can create a lot of value for our community um, in general. And so we, we, we mainly are just very, very bullish on application layer um, and, and metaverse, obviously, and, and the building these, these systems where basically people are able to, to build their own metaverse native businesses and, um, you know, build a strong community where people like continuously want to, to add value back into the ecosystem. And so I think getting that right from the beginning today, um, you know, will put us in a really, really lucrative position in 2030. Fantastic. Jason, what's your perspective? 2032? 2032, as Miles said, that is a, that is a lifetime. I can't even imagine, but I'll do my best. Uh, and also I love that you probably saw my panic face that switched tabs and, uh, I thought I, I'd canceled the session, so but we're here. Um, we're here. So Air, Air Meat has not beat me. Uh, in 2032, uh, currently have three billion gamers, about a 7.9 billion dollar, uh, 7.9 billion population globally. So we're sitting about 38 percent, roughly, of the global population. Place. I think that trajectory growth is is around until about 8.52. Um, and so I think we're going to have, you know over 4.25 billion people playing video games. Uh, that's going to be a huge part of our industry, and it's going to continue to dominate every form of entertainment. I'm excited that the subcategories of that, we're going to see an explosive growth in elderly people playing video games, not just young people playing video games. You're going to start to see generations graduating that have known video games since, since they were born. Um, that is going to be a huge part about the way we connect with people. It is the future, future social square of the world. Um, and I think that, you know, the metaverse, uh, to coin this term, uh, and all the, so anyways, that's my prediction for you. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we're all still around and Miles is, is crushing it and, uh, with Decentral and owning poker, taking down all the incumbents and hopefully, you know, we're doing not so bad me and Luke as well in, in this new wonderful world of ours. And with this uh, final remarks of Jason, I would like to thank you, Luca, Miles, and uh, Jason for your time, allowing us to break down and create divisions, share lessons learned, and hopefully to our listeners was a guide to yeah, what Web3 uh, and businesses could mean, uh, would could, could look like right, in a couple of years. I would like to thank the listeners to tuning in. And as always, I like to end with, I'll meet you in the metaverse. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This episode was brought to you by Upland and Decrypt Media, our go-to place for the latest Bitcoin and Ethereum news from Decrypt. Get the latest on cryptocurrency prices, breaking news, and more about Bitcoin and blockchain on Decrypt.co. Another quick reminder about our referral code for Upland. 
the Earth's metaverse where you can flip virtual properties, become a MetaVentures entrepreneur, or just connect with other like-minded players to rebuild the world together. Download Upland on iOS, Android, or web today using the referral link in the show notes and get a 6,000 UpX sign-up bonus. Just a quick disclaimer, the information shared on this show is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. Thank you for joining us and see you in the metaverse.